Hello friends, my name is Rachel Brinton and I am a certified life coach. And today I wanted to talk about mastering feelings. So I want to share three helpful tools on how to master your emotions to create the life that you want. If you're already checked out, stick with me for a second. We're going to talk about why feelings are even important. Most men, when I coach them or more type A personalities think feelings are froofy or fluffy and not important to talk about. And this is common for many of us. The idea that feelings are what we talk about when we aren't busy thinking or accomplishing or doing super important things in our lives. I find myself doing this with my kids. I want to hurry along their tender feelings and make them feel better quickly so we can have peace and happiness restored immediately. Then I can feel better. Feelings seem so inconvenient when we are trying to get on with our day. But here's why feelings are important to stop and understand. Our feelings determine every result in our lives. They determine the quality of our relationships, how much money we have in our bank account, and the level of our emotional and physical health. Paying attention to our feelings matters because we cannot do anything without first feeling a feeling. We can't even get out of bed in the morning without having a thought and a feeling first. No action can take place in our lives until we have a feeling that drives it. My coach reminds me, we often want to skip the feelings part and get to the part where we are skinny and rich. Many times we have no idea what feelings are driving our daily, yearly, and even lifelong results. So this is happening constantly with or without our awareness. Most of us go through life responding or reacting to our feelings as they come and go. Rather than living in a constant reactive state, there's a more proactive approach that creates more direction and power in our lives. So here's the cool thing. We can intentionally choose our feelings to intentionally drive our actions and determine the exact results we want in our lives. That is why understanding feelings is so paramount. The idea that life is not just happening to me, but I am happening to my life. This awareness is mind-blowing. Another reason why paying close attention to our feelings matters is because the only reason we want anything is because of the feeling we think we will feel in the getting of it. So the only reason why we do or don't do anything is because of how we think it'll make us feel. Think about it. What do you really want right now? A better relationship with your spouse, more connection with your children, more money, education, a close friend, your dream house, dream car, to travel somewhere, to be successful, to lose 20 pounds, or even world peace. The only reason why we want these things is because of the feeling we think we will feel in the getting of it. So our feelings drive us and we are driven by our feelings. Our feelings are like gas in a car. We put the gas in and that fuels the route we take. The GPS is like our actions, which leads to our destination. Most of us drive aimlessly without knowing where we are going or what fuel we have in the car or how much we need for our destination. Then we are annoyed and shocked when we don't end up where we wanted to go. We think that when we get to our destination, the feeling that we wanted will be there waiting for us. Oftentimes we get to our destination and the feeling we were searching for isn't there. So we keep searching for new things and new ways to chase the feeling we wanted most. There is a more proactive and conscious way to live and create what we want most. Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning wrote, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you're going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must be ensued. I looked up the word ensued and it means happen or occur afterward or as a result. In other words, the secret sauce is happiness or success can never be a destination. It cannot be pursued. Most of us die trying, right? But rather they are the fuel that lead you to your result. 
instead of pursuing happiness and success, feel those feelings first in your current state. The feeling you are seeking for right now is the exact fuel you will need to get the results you want most in your life. For example, if you want your husband to love and adore you more, love and adore yourself first, genuinely. And this very feeling will attract more love and adoration for you in your life as a whole. If you want more money so you can feel stable in your life, get to a stable place first, and that will attract more money and success. This is the game-changing work I do with my clients in my Happen to Life program. For our first tip to master your emotions to create what you want, number one, the feeling comes first. Meaning the feeling comes before the desired result. Oftentimes we think we have to go get the result to get the feeling and the opposite is actually true. So how do you generate or create a feeling you want? Before you feel anything, you must first have a thought. Every feeling you have ever felt first has a thought attached to it. For example, the thought, wow, this is amazing, can bring the feeling of gratitude. The thought, this is absolutely the worst, can bring the feeling of despair. The thought, I can totally do this, creates motivation. While the thought, this is too hard for me, creates doubt. When we change our thought on purpose, we can change how we feel. This is intentional living. Sometimes before we can really believe a new thought, we have to process the emotions caused by the previous belief systems that have been lodged in there for a long time. These thoughts and emotions can feel trapped within us, inhibiting the new thought. So learning how to process that emotion has to happen before we can move on to the new way of thinking and feeling. I think culturally we are taught not to pay attention or to care about our feelings, especially the ones that get in the way of feeling happy. We are told to turn that frown upside down, but we are not taught how to do that or even why the feeling was there in the first place. Like a scary monster under the bed, the vibration in our body needs to be pulled out, examined, poked, and looked at. Being curious about our feelings is so important. Asking why we feel a certain way will unveil our thought that is creating it. So if someone says, I feel mad, ask why, and that will reveal their thought. Do that with yourself or your kids. It's super powerful. So next time you see your kids whining or pouting and you have the urge to fix it, simply ask them why they feel that way. And this will give you their thought and help you to get curious with them. This simple exercise can help them to process that emotion so they can move on. By avoiding it or shoving it deep down back inside of us, the vibration doesn't go away. It lingers there and many times it gains more ground and just gets bigger. But no one teaches us how to get curious about and process our emotions. This has to happen before we can truly move on to a new thought that becomes a belief. When you spend a lifetime thinking thoughts that creates a belief, these systems formulate deep-rooted feelings and emotions for us. So discovering this is the work I do with my clients and it is fascinating to see how bringing these belief systems to our awareness is life-changing. For most of us, we grew up with the cultural idea that feelings, especially the ones we don't want to be bothered with, just get in the way of important stuff and accomplishing. The truth is that feelings are the drive of our accomplishments. So we need to pay attention to them if we care at all about what we are accomplishing. We label certain feelings as positive or others as negative, but the truth is feelings are neutral. There are no good or bad feelings. Feelings or emotions are just vibrations in our body and we are meant to feel them all. When we feel a feeling we don't like, we think something has gone terribly wrong and we rush to fix it. We try to get rid of the feeling. We try to distract from it or resist it or avoid it. I like to call this numbing or buffering. We all do this with our undesired feelings. For example, let's say I got in an argument with a family member and I feel super annoyed. I don't want to feel annoyed. So I scroll through social media, then I eat some chocolate cake and ice cream, and then the feeling still hasn't gone away. So I go exercise or try something else to get my mind off of it. 
We all have our favorite go-tos for buffering. For some, it's Netflix and chill or TV binge watching. For others, it's drugs or alcohol or porn. For some, it's exercise. If we're unaware, we can try to run from the feelings we don't want to feel. When we run away from our feelings, we become numb to not just the feeling that we are trying to avoid, but all the feelings. When we are numb, we can't feel joy or pain, excitement or frustration. We just feel numb. This then leads to denial and all the strategies of survival that go with it. As a result, life gets narrowed and smaller. When we are willing to feel any feeling, no matter what, when we are not scared to feel, and we have the attitude of bring it, our life gets so much bigger. We of course desire to feel joy and happiness over pain and frustration, but what if we were okay with all of it? What if we looked at the negative emotion as a golden nugget to get curious and discover more about ourselves? I remember when I first got divorced a year ago and I went on my first date, a friend had sent me up with this guy and I was feeling a little weird about the shift of going from being married for 18 years and now dating. I went to lunch with this guy and about 10 minutes into the date, he started telling me that he might have to leave early for work. And he did. He totally left me. I sat there laughing, thinking, did I just get rejected? I wonder what I said or did. I never heard from him again. (laughs) But I remember having a choice in that moment. Do I let this scare me and go back to my safe cave and not date? Or do I risk it all and find the man of my dreams? In order to do that, I had to be willing to feel everything. The disappointment, the discomfort, all the weird, awkward feelings. And I remember thinking of this principle. I realized I need more of this in my life. I need to feel rejected and uncomfortable. It's all okay with me. I wanted to walk into those new feelings. I knew that if I was willing to feel anything and take a risk, I would find what I was looking for. I also knew I needed to go through the undesirable feelings to face them head on before I could get to the desirable ones. The only way was through for me. What was interesting to me was as I practiced feeling all the feelings I didn't want to feel, Then I became less scared. And then it was like the sun came out and I was available to feel the most amazing love and connection I had ever felt. My life got so much bigger in so many ways. Naturally, we don't want to feel uncomfortable. It feels safer to stay in our comfort cave. We just want to feel amazing all the time. Our founding fathers even knew this concept was the motivating factor to our lives. In the Declaration of Independence, we are guaranteed the right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Although chasing happiness may not have been their motive, this is what we often do. We spend our time busying to get the happier feelings that we think will make us feel better. Arthur Schlesinger pointed out in an essay in 1964 that at the time of the Declaration's composition, the quote, pursuit of happiness did not mean chasing or seeking it, but actually practicing happiness, the experience of happiness. You could say not just chasing it, but actually learning the skill of obtaining and experiencing it. Happiness is a choice caused by our thoughts. I believe we can only do this if we have the contrast of happiness. Its opposite helps us to measure it. This is the part of experiencing it, as well as the understanding of why we want it and how to obtain it on purpose. It's the concept of opposition in all things, right? In 2 Nephi 2, 11, we read, For it must needs be that there is opposition in all things. If not so, righteousness could not be brought to pass. Neither holiness nor misery, neither good or bad. Wherefore, all things must needs be a compound in one. Wherefore, if it should be one body, it must needs remain as dead, having no life, neither death, nor corruption, nor incorruption, happiness, nor misery, neither sense, nor insensibility. We can only know what it feels like to be happy by its opposite. 
We measure the level of our happiness by the level of sadness we have felt. So feeling sadness is supposed to be part of life. Nothing has gone wrong when we feel deep sadness. This just means that if we allow ourselves to truly feel the sadness, we will then be available for its opposite of a high of happiness. The truth is we can feel happy whenever we want. We can feel happy by changing our thoughts, but sometimes we don't want to feel happy. It's appropriate to feel sadness, grief, or hurt. I don't want to feel happy about terrible things. Most of us were taught to quickly change undesirable feelings to happy ones. This sounds like the ideal we strive for, to be happy all the time. Again, the pursuit of happiness. A popular children's song we used to sing at church growing up was, if you chance to meet a frown, do not let it stay. Quickly turn it upside down and smile that frown away. No one likes a frowny face. Change it for a smile. Make the world a better place by smiling all the while. Such a well-intended song, and there's so much truth to cultivating a positive attitude in any given situation. The message is also funny in this context. We shouldn't be sad, and if we are, we need to quickly change it. We can even make the world a better place if we learn to quickly smile instead of being sad. It was one of my favorite songs with the actions and all. The truth is, we don't want to be happy all the time. There are times we want to feel terrible and sad because we are human. We feel deeply. There are times I want to feel sad. I want to feel sad about a loved one dying. I want to grieve. That's healthy. We're not psychopaths, right? We want to feel all the feelings. I want to feel angry and mad about child sex trafficking and help spread awareness to stop it. This is a good example of when the feeling of anger can lead to other feelings like determination and create actions to make a positive change in the world. Feelings aren't bad. They're all necessary. They all have their place. When we refuse to feel the ones we don't want, we are less alive. Life loses its depth and contrast. The deeper we are willing to feel sadness, the more available we are to feel its opposite of happiness. If we don't know bitter, we don't understand the satisfaction of sweet. So tip number two for mastering emotions to create the life that you want is to feel all the feels on purpose. Let them in, welcome them, learn from them and make them your friend. Sometimes it's easier to go into autopilot. However, if we are willing, this is the work I do with my clients and it's life-changing. So here's my suggestion. Instead of ignoring our feelings, we can feel them and process them and practice allowing the ones we don't like to hang out with us. That is the only way to move through them. And there is a process to this. So how do we process an undesired feeling? When you're feeling pain, allow it to be there. Let it in. I like to take deep breaths and say to myself, this is what pain feels like. This is what loneliness feels like. Allow sadness and grief to sit on your shoulder. Welcome it. Walk into it. Instead of holding the doorknob closed with all your might, open the door, walk into it. If feelings are just vibrations in our bodies, you could ask yourself where it is located in your body and what it feels like. Is it hard like a rock in the pit of your stomach or a tingling, thick, gas-like cloud lodged in your throat? Identify where this vibration is in your body. What color is it? What would it say if it could say something to you? This might sound super voodoo and weird, but it's so powerful. This is one way to get curious and in tune with our bodies and the vibrations in them. What happens when we have a feeling we don't like and we refuse to process or feel it? We will turn to ways to numb and buffer, or we will white knuckle it. And as soon as our willpower depletes, we are back to feeling the feeling along with heaps of additional added pain and misery. This, my friends, is optional pain on top of the inevitable pain. 
When we remind ourselves that what we are afraid of is just a feeling, we can face it. What's the worst thing that a feeling can do to us? Invite us to feel. Learning to feel our emotions is not something most of us learned as kids. We learn math and writing and science and history. But what if in the third grade there was a Feelings 101 course? How powerful would that be? Instead, I was almost 40 when I learned this stuff. The cool thing is now we can teach our kids. Since feelings drive all of our actions, reactions, or inactions, if we are not paying attention to our feelings, if we are not aware of them and we don't choose them consciously, we can end up with results and outcomes that we don't like or want. It always goes back to our thoughts that create our feelings, the driving force of our lives. The truth is we are the creator of our lives and our feelings are the companion or co-pilot sitting there all along the way with us. The purpose of the co-pilot is to assist the pilot during flight, including handling the radio communications, navigation, and working with the pilot to complete the many checklists involved with flying the aircraft. The pilot may turn control over to the co-pilot, even if the pilot doesn't leave the cockpit. We do this with our emotions. As our co-pilot, our feelings can help us fly smoothly or jerk us around. If we want to make our journey more smooth and choose our destination, we have to pay attention to our feelings and where they are navigating us. Here's the process. Something happens, you think a thought about it, and that thought automatically produces a feeling. The feeling then drives the actions, reactions, or inactions. For example, in order to get out of bed in the morning, you first have to have a thought. For me, the common thought is, I just want 15 more minutes. If I'm not aware, that feeling gives the feeling of unsatisfaction, which leads to actions and hitting the snooze button and a good dose of procrastination sets in. The result is a delayed start to the day and I miss or mess up my whole morning routine. This can lead to other feelings of being rushed or irritated. And of course, this has an effect on my kids. And then it leads to self-degradation to start the day. But what if I already knew that naturally I would want more sleep and instead I intentionally chose the thought, a more helpful thought like, I have enough sleep and I'm ready to take on the day. This would give me the feeling of motivation. Now from a place of motivation, I would choose actions like get up, pray, meditate, read scriptures, or start the day with my sacred time routine. What an uplifting way to start the day that over time could have a compound effect. In his book, Atomic Habits, James Clear states, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, So does the evidence of your new identity. This is one reason why meaningful change does not require radical change. Small habits can make a meaningful difference by providing evidence of a new identity. And if a change is meaningful, it is actually big. That's the paradox of making small improvements. Two different results, the feeling was a driving force behind each scenario. Over time, this effect can have a big influence on our lives. Our thoughts create our feelings, and over time, those feelings fuel or drive our actions, which lead to the overall result. In his book, The Compound Effect, Darren Hardy illustrates this principle and shows us how decisions shape our destiny. Little everyday decisions will either take you to the life you desire or to disaster by default. Darren Hardy starts the book with a story about a magic penny. If you were given a choice between getting $3 million in cash today or a single penny that doubles in value every single day for 31 days, which one would you choose? Darren points out that the majority of people would take the $3 million today because it not only looks like the better deal, but it also takes a lot longer to see the payoff for the magic penny. In fact, the compound effect of the magic penny is invisible for much of the time. For instance, 
If you picked the magic penny and your friend took the other option on day 10, your friend would have $3 million in cold, hard cash while you would have only $5 and 12 cents. On day 20, you would have $5,243, which is a lot better than $5, but still nowhere near the $3 million mark. By day 29, you'll have $2.7 million, almost as much as your friends, $3 million. However, it isn't until day 30 that your magic penny bet pays off, and it is now worth $5.3 million. On day 31, the very last day, your penny doubles again, and it is now worth a total of $10,737,418, about three times more than your friend's now tiny $3 million prize. So the reason I bring this up, this compound effect also applies to the words we use every day. They seem so insignificant. However, the impact they have on living intentionally with our feelings, driving our actions and getting the results we want is paramount. When we choose our thoughts on purpose and we think intentionally over time, we can create the life we dream of. Each thought stacks on top of another and creates solid beliefs. These belief systems run our lives like computer software in the background and create the feelings that fuel the outcomes. This process is always in play. And when we tap into it on purpose, this leads to an abundant, full, and expansive life. My coach calls this being the watcher. When we step out of ourselves and actually look at what we're thinking and what it is creating in our lives, it's important to be the watcher of ourselves, to take a step back and observe what we are thinking, the stories we tell ourselves and how it is affecting the way we feel every day. In Mosiah 4.30, King Benjamin lays out this process of how powerful the mind is in regards to warning his people to watch their thoughts. He shows them that their thoughts lead to deeds or actions and create results. He, of course, is addressing their spiritual well-being. He says, but this much I can tell you, that if you do not watch yourselves and your thoughts and your words, and your deeds, and observe the commandments of God, and continue in faith of what ye have heard concerning the coming of our Lord, even unto the end of your lives, ye must perish. And now, O man, remember and perish not. This applies to each of us in any area of our life where we want to progress. Progression starts with our thoughts, which brings a feeling that fuels our actions and gives us the result. The third tip to mastering our emotions and creating the life we want is to sit still and feel. Most people are not even aware of what they are feeling. Next time you see someone, instead of saying, hey, how are you? Ask them, hey, how are you feeling? It opens up the conversation to so much more vulnerability. You'll be so surprised. And when we do recognize our feelings, it's usually an undesired feeling that we want to hurry and get rid of. Sometimes our brains will offer that our feelings are emergencies and we need to solve for them now. I notice I do this with my kids as well. With the hustle and bustle of fast-paced life, and things quickly at our fingertips. This makes the concept of sitting still and feeling seem null and void. However, there is so much power in our ability to sit still and feel. This helps us tap into our inner self like nothing else can. Our brains are designed to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient with the least amount of energy exerted. In an effort to not feel what we think is a difficult feeling, our brains will tell us that the roof is on fire and this emotion we are feeling is an emergency that needs to be solved quickly. This overwhelm puts us in a tailspin. When we let our brains tell us that an emotion is an emergency, we go into panic mode to fix it. And when emotions are high, problem-solving skills are low. The answer is to take time to feel it, to get our attention out of the brain and into the body. I like to call this heart over hustle. 
We can take our time to discover why we feel a certain way and dig deep to discover why. When we do this, we can have compassion for ourselves instead of folding our arms in the corner and judging ourselves. And from our curiosity, our self-love grows. So I have shared just a few examples of how powerful paying attention to our feelings can be and allowing the feeling to be there without reacting to it or numbing or buffering and letting it sit there with you as you get curious about it. That is one of the most effective tools to mastering emotions and experiencing emotional wellness. One thing I love to do that has made a huge benefit to me in my life is meditation. To some, meditation might sound voodoo and weird. However, to me, it's just a more focused prayer with breathing and internal focus. I wasn't sure how to meditate and it seemed far-fetched when I first started. It felt void of the spiritual elements that I yearn for and that I seek in my prayers with God. It seemed too secular and just kind of out of this world to me. I wanted something more connected and more spiritual, something more powerful, to meditate with a higher power or invite Christ to be with me. This is when I started looking for Christian meditation and I found Brooke Snow's Christian meditation course. I highly recommend it if you want a faith-based meditation and just how to get started. Unless she's changed her prices, it's $75 and you get a free buddy to take it with you. From the course, I learned to better hear him through my practice of meditation, and it has been an incredible experience. But there are so many ways to meditate and sit still and feel. Some other ways include guided meditation, mantra meditation, mindfulness meditation, tai chi, qigong, or even yoga. Whatever way you like to meditate, it can be so powerful. The Mayo Clinic states that meditation can give you a sense of calm, peace, and balance that can both benefit emotional well-being and your overall health. They also state that research suggests that meditation can help people manage symptoms of conditions such as anxiety, asthma, cancer, chronic pain, depression, heart disease, high blood pressure, irritable bowel syndrome, sleep problems, and tension headaches. The emotional benefits of meditation can include gaining a new perspective on stressful situations, building skills to manage your stress, increasing self-awareness, focusing on the present, reducing negative emotions, increasing imagination and creativity, and increasing patience and tolerance. Who doesn't want that? The reason why meditation is so powerful is because it brings us back to our intentional living and internal dialogue. This is one way we can plug into our thoughts and feelings in a powerful way. So to recap, feelings are vibrations in our body caused by our thoughts. Feelings drive all of our actions, which lead to every result we have in our lives. Our feelings determine the quality of our lives. And when we don't pay attention to the feelings we don't want to feel, we turn to numbing, avoiding, distracting, and reacting to them. When we choose to be numb by avoiding a feeling we don't want to feel, we end up numbing all of our feelings, even the ones we love feeling. When we are open to feeling it all, no matter what the feeling is, and we think the worst thing that can happen is just a feeling, our capacity to feel grows and we create opportunities for a much bigger, more fulfilling and exciting life. The goal is to learn how to sit with uncomfortable feelings and allow them to be there and learn the skill of processing them. So the three tips that I shared were number one, the feeling comes first, meaning the feeling comes before the outcome or result we want most in our lives. Instead of chasing the feeling, the feeling fuels our path to get what we want the very most. Number two, feel all the feels on purpose. Let them in, breathe them in, welcome them in. Let them sit there with you and process them. 
Number three, sit still and feel. There are many ways to do this. This creates intentional thoughts and feelings and keeps us centered in our overall health. In my first podcast entitled Be the Love That You Are, I go into detail over feelings in a more in-depth way and how they relate to our emotional adulthood. I also share five steps in that podcast to tap into the true you through taking responsibility for your feelings. So go check that out. All right, my friends, have a beautiful day. And remember the key to mastering emotions is to allow them to be there and feel all the feels. Hey, if you like listening to this and you want to see what it is like to be coached on your emotions and how to get what you want in your life, you can sign up for a free coaching session on the link below in the show notes. In our free session, I can teach you how to choose your feelings on purpose and apply them to a model that will create what you want most. See you soon, my friend. Hey, if you like this podcast and you want to know more, I have a free video and workbook I would love to send you. It is called three powerful ways to connect with someone without changing them. Simply click on the link in this podcast and put in your email and this freebie will be sent directly to your email. Oh, 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 o